The transgender movement has conquered American life. Activist teachers have converted classrooms into propaganda. Influencers are driving billions of social media impressions. And doctors are cutting up kids in the name of gender-affirming care. The story goes deeper than you might imagine, featuring rage-filled intellectuals, a trans billionaire benefactor, and large-scale medical experiments in a Detroit ghetto. This is the story of the transgender empire, how it came into being, and how it hopes to change the face of American society forever. In the late 1980s, a group of writers, including Judith Butler, Gail Rubin, Sandy Stone, and Susan Stryker, established the disciplines of queer theory and transgender studies. They argued that gender was a social construct used to oppress racial and sexual minorities. They denounced the categories of man and woman as a false binary that upholds a system of heteronormativity, the white male heterosexual power structure. These writers made the case that these systems must be ruthlessly deconstructed and turned to dust. And the most visceral, dramatic way to achieve this is transgenderism. If a man can become woman, if a woman can become man, they believed, the entire structure of creation could be toppled. A trans movement manifesto is intended as a secular sermon that unabashedly advocates embracing a disruptive and refigurative genderqueer or transgender power as a spiritual resource. This is Susan Stryker, one of the founding theorists of the trans movement. In her best-known essay on performing transgender rage, Stryker argues that the transsexual body is a technological construction that represents a war against Western society. I am a transsexual, and therefore I am a monster, Stryker writes. And this body, Stryker says, is destined to channel its rage and revenge against the naturalized heterosexual order, against traditional family values, and against the hegemonic oppression of nature itself. There's something important to understand here. The transgender movement is inherently political, using the construction of personal identity to advance a collective political vision. Some trans activists even believe their movement represents the future of Marxism. In a collection of essays titled Transgender Marxism, Rosa Lee argues that trans people can serve as the new vanguard of the proletariat, promising to abolish heteronormativity in the same way that Orthodox Marxism promised to abolish capitalism. Lee writes, in a different era, Marxists spoke of the construction of a new socialist man as a crucial task in the broader process of socialist construction. Today, in a time of both rising fascism and an emergent socialist movement, our challenge is transsexualizing our Marxism. We should think of the project of transition to communism in our time as including the transition to new communist selves, new ways of being and relating to one another. This is the great project of the transgender movement, to abolish the distinctions of man and woman, to transcend the limitations established by creation, to hitch the personal struggle of trans individuals to the political struggle of revolution. All of society must be reorganized to affirm their identities and more importantly, their politics. So how did the trans movement suddenly move from the fringes to the center of public life? Because they built one of the most sophisticated ideological pipelines 
in American politics. It begins with a flood of cash. In recent years, some of the wealthiest people in the country have spent enormous sums of money subsidizing the trans movement. Jennifer Pritzker is one of them. Pritzker, born James Pritzker in 1950, served a career in the United States military and inherited a sizable part of the Hyatt Hotel fortune. In 2013, Pritzker announced a male to female gender transition. The newspaper celebrated Pritzker as the first trans billionaire. And almost immediately, Pritzker began donating untold millions to universities, schools, hospitals, and activist organizations to promote queer theory and trans medical experiments. Meanwhile, Pritzker's cousin, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, signed legislation pushing radical gender theory in the state education curriculum and directing state Medicaid funds towards transgender surgeries. Here's Governor Pritzker speaking to an audience of trans activists. Tonight I'm here to say that our state government is firmly on your side. We're going to make sure that all transgender Illinoisans are ensured their basic human rights and that health care services are provided to them so that they can thrive. Here's how the scheme works in practice. Pritzker-funded activists at Chicago's largest children's hospital provide local schools with training, materials, and personnel promoting child gender transitions, using the reputation of the hospital to provide their ideology with a scientific veneer. These are some of the materials. As I've uncovered through investigative reporting, the activists and teachers associated with Lurie Children's Hospital expose children not only to trans ideology, but to kink, BDSM, breast binders, and artificial penis packers. The goal, according to the Children's Hospital, is to disrupt entrenched norms in Western society and to guide vulnerable students towards transgender medicine as the cure. Meanwhile, trans activists flood social media with propaganda. It's because of this one part of my body that The Chicago area detransitioner, Helena Kirshner, describes her transition experience this way. When I was 15, I was introduced to transgender ideology on social media and began to call myself non-binary. Over the next few years, I would continue to go deeper and deeper down the trans identity rabbit hole. And by the time I was 18, I saw myself as a trans man. The result is a sophisticated school to gender clinic pipeline. Teachers, counselors, doctors, and influencers, many of whom are governed or subsidized by members of the Pritzker family, all push kids towards the science and politics of transgenderism. Highland Park, Michigan is one of the poorest and most miserable cities in America. It's nested within the city of Detroit and has been plagued by poverty, violence, crime, and death for decades. The city can't even afford to keep the streetlights on. But there is one institution in Highland Park that is overflowing with funds, the Ruth Ellis Center. The Ruth Ellis Center is Metro Detroit's central laboratory for the synthesis of transgender science and politics. The center's marketing pitch is an amalgam of all the fashionable left-wing buzzwords. Trauma-informed care, restorative justice, harm reduction, racial equity, and gender-affirming care. The last one is the most significant. Each year, the Ellis Center and its partners conduct large-scale medical experiments on a population of predominantly black youth who've run the gauntlet of homeless shelters, foster care, juvenile hall, and the streets. Dr. Maureen Conley is a pediatrician at Henry Ford Health and leads the Ellis Center's medical partnerships, providing puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, 
and surgical referrals to scores of Detroit kids. Transitioning is an umbrella term to describe the process that someone goes through to bring their external self more closely into alignment with their gender identity. Typically, that's masculinizing or feminizing medications or hormone therapy. People can also choose to pursue gender-affirming surgeries, which are surgical interventions to bring their body more closely in alignment with their gender identity. Keep in mind, these are not the white, affluent, educated, male-to-female trans individuals who are the public face of the movement. These are poor, black, traumatized youth from the furthest reaches of the Detroit ghetto. They suffer from enormously high rates of family breakdown, substance abuse, mental illness, and suicidal behavior. And they're told that gender transition, the latest promise of therapeutic liberalism, will solve all their problems. The most elite members of our society, affluent, highly educated, left-wing female doctors, are using the marvels of modern medicine to manufacture the ultimate oppression, the poor black trans woman. I think I might have been about eight years old when I remember having any thought of being transgender or gender non-conforming. It felt like I was an outsider to this whole world of America. On top of not being, you know, a European American, I was black. The doctors at the Ellis Center have created the new face of the proletariat, the highest authority in the intersectional hierarchy, and they've embedded the revolution into the very biology of their patients. In 1818, the novelist Mary Shelley wrote a book titled Frankenstein, or The Modern Prometheus. The premise of the book is that modern science, stripped from the constraints of ethics and nature, will end up creating monsters. The trans-affirming doctors are the postmodern iteration of Dr. Victor Frankenstein. They promise salvation through transition, but end up creating disaster. I think what we're becoming very known for at OHSU is genital surgery. And um, a prime example of that is a procedure called phalloplasty, which is um, the creation of a penis. Dr. Blair Peters is a plastic surgeon who uses he, they pronouns and performs transgenital surgeries at the publicly funded Oregon Health and Science University. Peters specializes in phalloplasty, the creation of an artificial penis, and vaginoplasty, the creation of an artificial vagina. And we now have a robotic vaginoplasty program. Um, we have the highest volume on the West Coast. And this has been a kind of game changer for patient care as we're now able to provide um, two cases a day in a single But the most revealing surgery performed by Dr. Peters and his colleagues is known as nullification. In this procedure, doctors perform a castration or a vaginectomy on the patient, then create a smooth, continuous skin covering from the abdomen to the groin, reducing the genitalia to nothing. This barbaric procedure is the perfect symbol for the ideology itself. Nullification is the pursuit of the Latin nullum, meaning nothing. And that is exactly where trans ideology ends. A profound nihilism that denies human nature and enables barbarism in the name of progress. Although this movement enjoys a certain measure of elite support, there is no doubt it will end in tragedy. Jennifer Pritzker, Maureen Connolly, and Blair Peters occupy the heights of power and prestige, but like Dr. Victor Frankenstein, they will learn a hard lesson. No matter how advanced their castration machines become, the trans activists and doctors cannot abolish the reality of man and woman. 
They cannot transcend the limitations of creation, and to the extent that they try, they will elicit the same heartbreak and alienation captured in the final scene of Mary Shelley's novel. The hulking monster, shunned by society and betrayed by his father, filled with suicidal despair, drifting off into the ice flows, a symbol of Promethean hubris meeting its final consequence. We witnessed parents taking their children as young as two inside to take part. Talking, singing, and reading. We can both be grooms. To an audience of preschoolers, toddlers, and their caregivers. Family programming. Love it. Yes. We have just confirmed that a registered child sex offender has been reading to children at a Houston public library as part of its drag queen story hour. A media spokesperson for the library confirms one of those drag queens, Tatiana Malanina, is really Alberto Garza, a child sex offender. In 2008, he was convicted of assaulting an eight-year-old boy. This is Tatiana Malanina, my sister from Queens of the Week. People seem to walk away having a good time. Yeah, start them young, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Start them young, right? Why are so many people buying emergency food right now? Here's why. If war breaks out, food will be very hard to find. Panic spreads like wildfire, and grocery stores can be empty within hours. That means you really need a proper supply of emergency food on hand. Trust me, you'll breathe easier knowing that you can feed your family during a crisis. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com to pick up a one-week emergency food kit. Preparewiththinkaboutit.com the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of happy, worry-free customers. This one-week food kit comes loaded with delicious meals your family will love. No skimping on taste, calories, or protein. Get yours now. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Free shipping is included in your discreet, unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com. So we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one that you know i'd say is uh will get attention this time mm -hmm. will get attention this time mm -hmm. when we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water and reduce population Reading stories to children. Margot, can we not do Yeah. This is absolutely disgraceful. We have kids, men dressed as prostitutes, reading filth to children. What's this all about, lads? We can't. Hi, how's it going? Um, lads, we can't stand for this. Drag Queen story time. Uh, people are giving out about it in America. It's not welcome in Ireland. Look at all these people here, lads. They're a protection of grooming. Court pointed out just by way one way of example. He said millions of free speech postings of American citizens were never seen. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the New World Order is pouring poison bioweapon all over our children and all over us, and we just sit here and take it. And it's so scary that our government's been seized by psychotic depopulationists and transhumanists that we don't want to admit it. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population... And we want to say Alex Jones is the bad guy. Our point is that there is information that is leading to people not taking the vaccine and people are dying as a result. And we have a responsibility as a public health matter to raise that issue. What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. Look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. They're Republicans, they don't like to be told what to do. And we got to break that. You know what this is? This is ivermectin for humans that won a Nobel Prize as an antiviral. And this is inhalable, or these are the tablets, steroids. See this, Fauci? You see this, Bill Gates? I'm going to kill those prions, you bastard murderers, you damn monster. We had a death rate of about 3,000 people per million population from COVID. And if you look at the countries that were using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, Nigeria had 14 people per million, one two hundredth of ours. And you can say, well, those are young populations and COVID is a disease of the old, which is true. But the oldest population in the world is Japan, which also allowed access to hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And their death rate was one tenth of ours. See our little cancer proteins like that. Nobel Prize winning for humans. Nobel Prize winning for humans. Nobel Prize winning for humans. Nobel Do those idiots think that that intimidates me when I know that it's all coming out that they knew these shots wouldn't protect you. The risk is extremely low of transmitting it to anybody else. Full stop. Vaccinated people are clearly capable of transmitting the infection. It was uh, two years ago that they started the poison shots, two plus years ago. And immediately there were groups and organizations and, and, and medical think tanks and watchdogs that tested Pfizer, Moderna, uh, AstraZeneca, and J&J shots all over the world. And they found that a certain portion was saline solution, usually around 50%. And then another 25% or so had a very small amount of the spike protein and the mRNA garbage in it and all the nanolipid, basically fancy uh, souped up antifreeze in it. But then around 25%, and it varies country to country, sometimes it's only 5%, of the injections had a super high level that always made people sick and had a very high percentage rate of heart attacks, strokes, cancer, sterilization, you name it. We know they're doing it. They're gearing up to do it again. J&J, AstraZeneca, they, those got pulled very quick because they were told by the Pentagon. In a study not yet reviewed by experts, the researchers said COVID-19 vaccines that employ adenovirus vectors, cold viruses used to deliver vaccine material, send some of their payload into the nucleus of cells. This is where some of the instructions for making coronavirus proteins can be misread. They suggest that the resulting proteins could potentially trigger blood clot disorders. The aforementioned complications have led some countries to halt or limit use of the AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Look at the people that got the saline. That's in yellow. No adverse responses. Zero. Zero. This is in, this is in a sampling group of 800,000. And then look at the people that got the moderate death dose. Now look what happened right away within just a few days if you got the big daddy. You're dead in a week. The question came from Joe Rogan on his podcast in 2021. He said, Dr. McCullough, if these vaccines are so bad, why doesn't everybody have a side effect and are damaged after the vaccines? I didn't have the answer at that time, but I have it now. A paper by Schmeling and colleagues from Denmark has clearly shown they 
found three risk groups of batches. The first batch, which was about a third of people who got the vaccine, zero side effects. The second group, which is about two thirds, had some moderate side effects, uh, but but the, the rate of serious side effects was, was pretty low. Then there's a third group, which is 4.2% of everybody who, uh, of the vials, their side effect rate was through the roof. And in the United States, 94% of people who took a shot took messenger RNA, so we can stay on that, that, that uh, technology. Fortunately, they're fine. But for the small number of people who did receive a badge, we have big problems. Health departments were set up in England 120 years ago and here 110 years ago by the Rockefellers, by the eugenicists at Cold Springs Harbor that created the, the Nazis later, literally to, quote, sanitize the races. Yeah, thank you so much for coming today. And thank you, Misla, for uh, really putting in the work and making this happening today. And I really will have to say, I am so very honored to be here with seven very brave citizens who came here today to launch an initiative for a European citizens initiative, an initiative which will hopefully be accepted by the EU Commission, although I don't really hold my breath, to be quite frank, but I seriously hope we will uh, be able to do that. These seven citizens are so incredibly brave because they stand up against this despicable attempts by the globalitarian misanthropists to strip us of freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. They simply say no to the attempts of granting an unelected body governing powers. They simply say no. And that's what we all should do. Because this will end if we simply say no. And that's what we're here to do today. Because an unelected body like WHO who is controlled and run by multi-billionaires, should never be allowed to act in place of a democratically elected government. Never, ever. In democracies, ladies and gentlemen, it is government of the people, by the people, for the people. And any government of anywhere in the world who disregards this fundamental principle of democracy by supporting this unprecedented power grab by WHO is an anti-democrat demonstrating nothing but his utter contempt for the people. And these seven brave citizens, they will not stand for this and neither will we. I will expose anyone whether it's a member of a government in a member state or a government around the world or a member of parliament in the European member states or parliaments around the world who do not respect the people and do not respect democracy, I will see to it. They will be exposed, each and every one of them, by name. 
Because guess what? There are elections coming up, and the people might be interested in who is responsible for the abolition of democracy. So, we are here today to tell you, WHO, Globalitarian Misanthropists, we are here today to tell you, you picked this fight, you wanted this fight, well, guess what? You've got it. Let's fight. Because these brave citizens, my colleagues and I, we will not tire to fight you every step of the way. These brave seven citizens and millions and millions more around the world, these are the people you will have to reckon with from now on. Because we are millions, millions around the world. It is you that is the small French minority. You are the ones who do not have the right to dictate to the people what they want and what they don't want. So, take it from me, take it from us, take it from these seven citizens who gathered here today, take it from the millions and millions of people around the world. We will bring you down and we will not tire until we have done just that. So brace yourselves, we are here and the fight is on. So let's commence with the fights. Why don't we? Thank you.